following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. Welcome to the Alien Invasion number 248, recorded on Thursday, September 20th, 2018. I'm Dave Nelson, along with Mr. Brad Ludwig. Hello, Brad. Hello. Coming up, we talk sex with aliens. It's an R-rated episode. Plus, a new exoplanet discovered. What was spotted over the skies of North Carolina? No, not the hurricane. Stick around to find out. Plus, our picks and warnings. But first... Our question. Dave? Huh? Dave? Huh? Hey, Dave, what's the question? What alien do you think is the ugliest in film and or TV? The ugliest alien that you've ever seen on a screen. What is it, Brad? Uh, you know what? John Carpenter's It. Oh, yeah. You. No, 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 no. The, the John Carpenter's. Yeah, no, the thing. As it would transition from its different forms. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Any other reason why? You know what? What part of that movie scared you the most? When they had one of the guys in the med bay and the doctor went to, because they thought he was having a heart attack and they like went to, you know, use the paddles on him and his chest opened up and like, ate his arms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which movie came first? John Carpenter's The Thing or Alien? The Thing was 1982. Alien was 1979. So, Okay. So I'm going to kind of go with uh, Alien because we were talking about it. And the Alien, the Xenomorphs from Alien are ugly. I mean, I think they've stepped it up each movie they've made. They've made them uglier and uglier, don't you think? <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Especially, especially the one. I think it's the queen or whatever. Is the head inside the head or inside the mouth that comes out? That that is freaky and that is very very ugly. What was the scariest part of Alien for you, the original movie? The jump scare of John Hurt when he like leaned over the egg and the. Oh yeah, and the the face hugger like shot out of the egg. Yeah, that freaked me out the All first right. time. Absolutely. Okay, so listeners, it's up to you now. What is the ugliest alien you think you've seen? Uh, let us know. Aliens at gncasts.com. That is our email address. Let us know what you think. You think is the ugliest alien ever? In the news, Brad. Christmas yes. is coming. It is. <laughs> um, so I think I've got the perfect gift for the the reader on your list, the book lover on your list. You ready for this? I am listening. It's called Screwed by the Aliens, True Sexual Encounters with ETs. <laughs> well, that's something. Yeah, it is something. 
It's a book all about the history and the, um, I guess, the history and experiences, stories of people being forced to, in some cases, others not so much, to have sex, sexual intercourse with uh, extraterrestrials. Remember? Ah. Remember that story that we had a while ago? It was the guy that was painting all he's he'd had sex with this one alien, this female yes. alien during his his entire life and he was painting what he remembered from it. Yes. Yeah. He's in this book. I don't doubt that. Yeah. So let me let me let me read a little bit of the story. It came from uh, metro.co.uk. No surprise there. <laughs> There's a lot of them out there, with some claiming that aliens disguise, disguise themselves as celebrities to have sex with gullible humans. <laughs> Other aliens have even forced human victims to have sex with animals, says Nigel Watson, author of a chapter, just one chapter, in the newly released book, Screwed by the Aliens, True Sexual Encounters with E.T.'s. Watson told Metro.co.uk that the first documented sexual encounters with aliens happened in the 1950s, but that before this, people often claimed to have sex with demons in encounters which sound very similar and which stretch back for centuries. So what they really could be, the the demons could have been aliens and these people didn't know. That's what he was trying to say. Huh. Uh, Watson, author of the UFO Investigations Manual, which which looks really interesting. Uh, I think we'll have a link to it in the show notes. He says, The first case of sexual conduct in our flying saucer era was experienced by Antonio Villas Boas, B-O-A-S, Boas, in South America. Boas claimed in 1957 that he was dragged inside a flying saucer and forced to have sexual intercourse with a beautiful alien woman. When he left, she pointed at her stomach, at him, and then at the sky, implying she would have this child somewhere in outer space. Um, Hmm. You still with me on this, Brad? Kind of, yeah. Okay, all right, we'll continue. In the 1980s, alien abduction researchers in the U.S. accepted that women are routinely abducted impregnated and then reabducted a few weeks later for the extraction the extraction of the hybrid fetus these activities explained the short-lived pregnancies experienced by female abductees as for male abductees they okay this is about to get saucy Brad uh, okay they either claim to have had intercourse with an alien woman or their sperm was extracted by mechanical means by the aliens. Uh, In this article, they did mention the anal probe, but uh, I did not include the details on that in the story. (laughs) Because I was not comfortable talking about anal probes. Because they got kind of graphic. Uh, More recently, in the documentary Love and Saucers, this is the story that we were talking about, New York artist David Huggins confessed that when he was 17, he lost his virginity to a female extraterrestrial, and for nearly 60 years, he had regular sex with Crescent, and she even gave birth to an alien child as an outcome of their otherworldly intercourse. 
Uh, let's see. Also included in the book is the story of the late Dr. Carla Turner, who was accused, uh, who accused the aliens of the literal and physical sexual violation of their powerless human victims. Turner claimed deception was often used by the aliens to make the abductee a willing sexual partner. The alien might take the form of an abductee's spouse. That'd be weird. Or disguise itself as a celebrity that the abductee was known to find attractive. Now, I want to clarify real quick that I'm not making light of this situation. It sounds like I'm making fun of it, but I'm not. Because this is kind of a serious issue. Like, if you were to be the victim of something like that, it would be a very serious thing. And especially in um, the climate that we live in, I'm not making light of any kind of sexual con- uh, misconduct or abuse. Just wanted to clarify that. Um, other abductees say they that the sex with an alien entity is the most pleasurable they've ever experienced, that the erotic thrills go way beyond what happens with a human partner. Skeptics claim these experiences are likely to be the product of sleep paralysis, where people are unable to discern the difference between fantasy and reality during the period between sleeping and waking. Timothy Green Beckley, editor of this book called Screwed by the Aliens, says he open he's open-minded about the subject and says, as you turn the pages, you will see that we have approached the sexual nature of UFOs, their alien occupants, and the reproduction process of the ultra-terrestrials with an open mind. So, there you go. That's the synopsis synopsis of the article from metro.co.uk. And as always, we'll have the link in the show notes of the podcast. Because I know people make fun of stories like this, right, Brad? They do. And, uh, you know, it's... It, 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 it's a serious topic. Something something happened. And whether it's aliens or not, you know, uh, non-consensual anything is non-consensual. Yeah, I, regardless. I, I felt bad because I started out with kind of a lighthearted way of <clears throat> introducing the story. And then the more I talked about it, the more I thought, you know what? I'm being kind of an insensitive jerk on this. So I had to clarify that I was not making fun of anything because I know sexual abuse, sexual misconduct is a very serious situation. And if this happened to somebody for real, that's a very serious situation. So I'm not making light of it, I promise. I hear you. All right. So um, I would love to, you know what? Let's, let's get the listeners involved with this. Aliens at GNCasts.com. Aliens at GNCasts.com. Let us know if uh, what you think of this story, if you think these things are real, if they're actually having sexual intercourse with aliens, or it's just what how they described it, uh, sleep deprivation or something else. Let us know what you think and your theories on it. Do you have any uh, final thoughts on this story? I do not. All right. Let's move on then. We are going to be talking about exoplanets. Oh, yay. It's your, it's your thing. It's your jam. It, it, it is my jam. Uh, because if we're going to find habitable worlds either for us or to discover other aliens, uh, this is where it's at. And 
it's really exciting that we've got uh, a brand new satellite that's been launched and another one's going to be launched within the next year or two, the James Webb. I keep wanting to say the George Webb, but that is a restaurant chain in the Milwaukee region of Wisconsin. Oh, I didn't know and that. While they have tasty breakfast foods, uh, they do not uh, search the stars for exoplanets. They could if they wanted to. You know, uh, they could, but pop. I doubt that they would come up with uh, usable data. All I have to do is pop a, a little dish on top of their locations, and you know, network them together, and bam, <laughs> it could be done. Yeah. All right, here we go. NASA's new planet hunter just found the first alien world, an evaporating super Earth. Uh, NASA's newest planet hunting mission has reported detecting its first alien world, a super-Earth that is likely evaporating under the heat of its star, this study finds. Now, the TESS satellite, the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, was launched on top of an X, uh, SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket April 18th. And uh, they've got it all up and running. It's passed all of its tests, and it's been scouring the stars. And they found a planet around the star Pi Mensa, also known as HD 39091, which is located about 59.5 light years from Earth. In the constellation Mensa, the table, Pi Mensa is a yellow dwarf star like our sun and the second brightest among stars known to be uh, to have transiting exoplanets. Now, previous research has already spotted a gas giant around Pi Mensa that is 10 times more massive than Jupiter. Holy moly. Yeah. Wow. Jupiter is a huge planet. Now imagine that times 10. Uh, that's a lot of Earths that you could fit inside of that. Yeah. That exoplanet is named Pimensa B, and it has a oval, a very oval-shaped eccentric orbit that carries it up to three astronomical units from its star. Now, an astronomical unit is a unit of measurement between Earth and our sun, right? Mm-hmm. So this goes out to three astronomical units. So to the sun and back to earth <laughs> three times is the furthest distance that this orbit goes out to. Now the exact measurement between the earth and the sun is about 93 million miles or 150 million kilometers. Uh, now scientists have detected a new world with the test satellite around Pimensa, which is 2.14 times Earth's diameter and 4.82 times Earth's mass. This super Earth has been dubbed Pi Mensa C, and it orbits about 0 0.07 astronomical units from its star, which is more than 50 times closer than Mercury is to our sun. <laughs> oh, man. So this massive planet is even closer to its sun than Mercury is to our sun. Is the is the sun is the star a cooler star than our sun? No, it, it, it's a yellow it, it's a yellow sun like okay. like ours. Okay. This uh, super Earth is 
about somewhere between two to 10 earth masses. Okay. Now, uh, Pymensis C is a super earth, a class of planets slightly larger and more massive than our own world. The density of Pymensis C is consistent with a picture where the entire planet is made of water. That's what uh, lead author uh, Chelsea Huang of Mass uh, from MIT told space.com, which is where the story comes from. However, it is she's quoted as saying, it is more likely to have a rocky core and an extended atmosphere made of hydrogen and helium. We also think this planet might be evaporating right now, given the intense irradiation it gets from its host star. Now, future uh, research can investigate the odd configuration of Pymensa's two known planets, the oval-shaped orbit of the Jupiter-like Pymensa B, uh is very different than our own circular orbit of Jupiter. Now, this suggests that something may have happened in that solar system's history for this planet to be kicked out that far in its orbit. So maybe a planet exploded, maybe a wandering exoplanet came by and goofed up the orbit. Uh, they're still investigating. So there, the big question is, how did this inner system survive <laughs> if it's that far out of whack um and they're like i said they're still investigating and they should uh th they want to get to the bottom of this now this the tess satellite system here follows in the footsteps of the kepler space telescope uh, which has discovered about 70 percent of the 3,800 known exoplanets to date also using the transit method. The transit method is they focus on a star. And if that star uh, dims and then brightens, they look into it. And that dimming and that brightening usually means that a planet is transiting or moving in front of it from uh, obscuring its uh, Earth's view of that star briefly. That's what a transit is. <clears throat> so, uh, let's see. So they uh, reported their findings in a paper uh, which was submitted to the Astrophysical Journal Letters. And uh, we have a link here for you to actually read that paper. All right. So there you go. Exoplanet boiling away, larger than Earth, mostly water, rocky core, very thick atmosphere the more that we report on these exoplanets the stranger i realize the galaxy and the universe is because yeah. it's when you think that you've heard this the strangest possible configuration for one of these worlds something like this comes along and you're like how the hell is that working i don't know <laughs> weird yep just think if we could go out there and explore this stuff in person. You'd be like, I think what we see like on a show like Star Trek would not even come close to what you would actually see if you could explore the galaxy like they do. Like, Yeah, and, you know, this one is only 59, well, just under well, around 60 light years away. So if we could travel at the speed of light for 60 years, we could be there. All right, let's and get we on this. Investigate in person. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Someday. 
If you have thoughts, feelings, or a strong opinion on the story that we just talked about, email aliens at gncasts.com. That's aliens at gncasts.com. Or call our voicemail number, area code 805-328-3966, 805-328-3966. Thank you for your feedback. Follow this Galactic Network podcast on Twitter, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us by searching for Galactic Network on all the major social networks or click on the icons at GNCast.com. Please identify the craft you witnessed. A black, triangular, three-dimensional shape, huge, just flying, hovering minute. Shaped like, almost like between an egg and like a teardrop. Two long, cylinder objects flying over me. We had a zone. I can see the occupants in it. You're going to be rotating and it was on circular disc shape, and it hovered for maybe about five minutes. Move on to our sighting for the week, and uh, this one sounds really interesting. And uh, it's funny that I would pick something from North Carolina, given the the recent weather situation there. Uh, Brad, you know, um, it it was uh, this hurricane that, that, that ripped through. It was the wettest uh, in respect to uh, water. Water. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I've, I've heard a rumor. Yep. All right. So an alleged UFO sighting was recently reported in Charlotte, North Carolina, or near Charlotte, via a Facebook post. And in this case, it was posted by a husband and a father who says he doesn't necessarily believe in UFOs. And what's cool is the story came from the Charlotte Observer. So it's not like a weird UFO site. This is like a legit, uh, in your face, in your face, a legit, (laughs) a legit newspaper. So, (laughs) gives a little bit more credence to the story. Javon or Javion Hill, thirty-five of Kings Mountain, North Carolina, says he took several photos of the object during a storm on the night of August eighteenth as he drove on U.S. Highway seventy-four southwest of Charlotte. The images feature something square hovering above the tree line with its edges fringed in lights. Hill told the Charlotte Observer the craft frightened him to the point he didn't sleep that night. And here's his explanation on how it went down. I was on my way home with my wife on the speakerphone. Hey, he's, he's a poet. Doesn't even know it. Doesn't even know it. And it looked like there was a tornado coming. So I was trying to take a picture of the clouds for my wife, says Hill. But then I saw something that wasn't normal. And I was like, oh, my God, what is that? And I started trying to take as many pictures as, of it as possible while he was driving. Not safe, dude. Pull over if you want to do that kind of stuff. Uh, True. He pulled over at the next exit to try to get video, but the aircraft had vanished by that point. A heavy rain followed instantly, he said. Hill says it's possible what he saw was a military craft because there are quite a few military bases in North Carolina. Uh, Conspiracy theorists maintain many UFO sightings in the region are actually an experimental military craft known as the TR-3B. I've never heard of that. An anti-gravity craft that hovers, and some believe the craft is from one of the state's military bases, uh, Fort Bragg, Pope Field, and Camp Lejeune. I was stationed at Fort Bragg. 
Oh, that's hey, in, there you go. That's in Fayetteville. They got some. Uh, they got some pretty rough uh, goings there right now. Uh, let's see, Shelby, North Carolina native, Eric White. See, this gives some more credence. Another guy saw this very same thing that night. Uh, he said that it vanished in thin air. He claims what he saw is actually bigger. Uh, this original um, guy says uh, he claims what he saw is actually bigger than what is seen in the photo. I was worried for my safety, he said. I didn't believe in UFOs until that moment. Now, there's a picture that I have embedded on our uh, show doc. Would you be able to uh, screen cap that for our YouTube viewers, Brad? Yeah, Is it possible? Just a sec here. Because I have a theory as to what this is. And once, okay, once you let get a... me do the screen. Oh, come on. And there. My monitor is really kind of goofy. There we go. So there it is. Here is the picture in question. Do you want to describe and it? You're, you're going to describe yeah. this kind of stuff. It uh, It's a picture taken at, I'd say, late dusk, early evening. There's uh, just a little bit of light on the horizon. Uh, it is a picture of somebody. Uh, they're taking a picture across a road, kind of uh, off to the lower left-hand corner is a gas station. And it's along a, uh, uh, it's along a highway. That's a, a, a fairly uh, well-traveled highway, I would say. Uh, it is definitely a rainy evening. You can see some moisture on the uh, lens, or if it's a picture taken through somebody's windshield, there's some water droplets on the windshield. But up, uh, up towards the top of this picture is a, uh, it looks like if you were to take a, let's say a square with rounded corners or maybe even a rectangle with rounded corners, but think of the edges of this thin square that I'm speaking of or thin rounded cornered rectangle. And it has a bar of light around that rim of that thin rectangle or square with rounded corners. So there you go. All right. Thank you. Great, great explanation of that, Brad. Um, my theory, I have a couple of theories. Mm -hmm. I'm not poo-pooing their, what they think they saw. Cause you know, they were there. I wasn't, but this kind of looks like it could be either a reflection from something inside the vehicle reflecting onto the windshield or the lights from that gas station it almost has the same shape as that just just turned another way do, do you see it do you, do you see what i'm i'm talking about yeah sorta yeah you know again i'm not but, but they're like turned like They're turned like uh, 90 degrees from each other. Yeah. Which but, is really weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, there's some weird anomaly where a reflection ended up reflecting off the clouds, but then it got turned around somehow. I don't sure. know. Sure. Yeah. And it's possible, especially with it raining like that. I mean, that's obviously how we see rainbows. So, I mean, it does affect the light. So, yeah. 
All right. All right. Uh, cool. So if you have seen anything that you think may have been an extraterrestrial extra extra craft, let us know. Reach out to us. Reach out and touch us via your email, uh, aliens at gncasts.com. You can also uh, leave a voicemail, 805-328-3966, or jump onto our website, gncasts.com, and uh, leave a voice message via SpeakPipe. If you like this podcast, The Alien Invasion, and would love to support us in a very simple way, we ask that you go to gncasts.com slash support. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com slash support and click on the Patreon link. Uh, Now, with Patreon, we're just asking for a few dollars a month. It's not per episode. It's per month at one, three, and five dollar levels. And each level has its own perk. Like, you can get your name mentioned on our shows, not just this show, but all of our other podcasts that are part of the Galactic Network network. You can get a whole message read and other perks, other other things that you'll get for your dollar, $3, $5 a month support of the network. So again, go to gncasts.com slash support. Click on that Patreon link. And I believe we also have a link to our Amazon affiliate link on that page as well. So if you're going to be doing some shopping on Amazon, uh, click that link and support us that way as well. GNCasts.com slash support. And we thank you. Watching, reading, playing, making. Uh, Anessa and I recently rewatched The History of Future Folk, which is available on Amazon Prime. Uh, Excuse me. So, uh, just, uh, kind of as a, as an overview, there is a musical duo. They are called future folk and there are a couple of guys who started, uh, around, uh, college doing this concept band. One person plays the guitar. The other person plays the banjo and, I don't want to say it's a gimmick, but their part of their act is they're from a planet called Hondo. And the original concept is that they're from the future from this planet Hondo. And one of the general Treus, the person, the gentleman who plays the banjo came to earth to, uh, basically destroy the earth because the earth is going to destroy Hondo in the future. <laughs> so he's come back in time to destroy earth so that earth does not destroy Hondo in the future. That's weird. Okay. It is very weird, but they are very talented musicians who, who have written songs about Hondo and about space and they're entertaining, uh, well-written and, they have amazing voices. Uh, Jay, uh, Jay Klatz, uh, I'm sorry, Jay Klatz, who plays uh, the mighty Kevin. Uh, there's General Treus, and then there's the mighty Kevin. He is currently on Broadway doing uh, 
getting uh, it's a play called getting the band back together and that man has a powerful voice it's amazing and he also if you watched jessica jones season two he played the wizard huh that is that same actor and he's appeared in uh, a number of has had a number of other parts and other uh, other performances other tv and movie uh, and broadway productions now the other person <laughs> who has an amazing voice as well he's the gentleman who plays general treus who plays the banjo um he he's he does marketing <laughs> he's a commercial designer and he does marketing and in his kind of free time he plays the banjo um anyways they got the funding to do a independent film called the history of future folk they tweaked the concept uh because it's kind of convoluted from their music act and they wanted to kind of streamline it but still make it make sense in a movie and uh it's a great movie it's hour and 45 minutes well worth the watch it's funny it's heartwarming uh <laughs> a lot of ups and downs and one of the songs from the from their album their first album um and it appears in the movie is i see or over the moon and over the moon was our first dance song at our wedding reception oh that's sweet it's a very very sweet song um absolutely beautiful and we recently, I recently tweeted because I'm Facebook friends with uh, Jake Lights, <laughs> and and he like responded back saying, "Oh, that's really sweet." <laughs> and then uh, Anessa recently uh, posted on, I think it was on, that was on. Okay, mine was on Facebook because uh, Jake Lights is very active on Facebook. Uh, the other gentleman, uh, Ni uh, Nils Odelaire, is very active on Twitter. And Anessa posted something to that effect. And he replied, Hondo, which is like the greeting. It's kind of like Aloha. Okay. The name of the planet is like their greeting, Hondo. <laughs> so he, he replied, Hondo. And then he took her tweet, retweeted it, and then commented, you know, hey, we've seen a, a number of people saying that over the moon – uh, is used either in the ceremony or in their reception at some point in their their wedding proceedings. And uh, we expect to see maybe more Bucketheads, which are um, uh, fans of the show. They actually wear some of the, the costume. They actually have costumes, uh, and they're basically like red buckets or essentially the, the helmet, as it were. And he's like, we expect to, expect to see new Bucketheads within a year or two implying that there's going to be some action resulting in babies. Oh, okay. I see. You and guys, more fans will you, be produced. You guys are into some weird stuff. Um, you know, it <laughs> when I describe it, yeah, it's weird. Uh, but when you actually watch this, it it's a very touching love story <laughs> for all intents and purposes because it really focuses on two characters in particular. Uh, and the music that's involved um, and 
uh, over the moon is absolutely beautiful love song so think of it what you will i'm it's, not uh, i'm not judging i'm just saying yeah. it's from it's, from a, it's from from an outsider's point of view it's a little bit strange but it, it, yeah i'll give you that yeah. i'll give you that you know different strokes for different folks though true that have at her don't have any more <laughs> metaphors i don't know Okay. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, the history of future folk is my, is my pick uh, for a second time, but with the update of, we actually got uh, communication back from the two gentlemen who are future folk. Yeah. You've added wow. on to your, the history, the future folk story. That's cool. And they become a part of ours. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's enough. So cute, it's enough cuteness for now. Okay. <laughs> Aliens gonna eat your yeah. face. Urgh. All right, so my pick this week. Oh, how many flying saucers are you gonna give that bad boy? Oh, five. Okay, all right, five out of five. Five by five. Boom. All right, my pick this week is the reboot of In Search of. It's finally here. It premiered last week here in Canada. It's on the History Channel. I don't know where it's lo- uh, It's available in the states. I know. Here though, it's in hist on history. So, uh, I thought it was when this story broke that Zachary Quinto was going to host. It's perfect because he played Spock in Star Trek, originally done by Leonard Nimoy, who was the original host of In Search of. So it's all coming together, baby. (laughs) So uh, the first episode is just titled Aliens. I thought that was the perfect the perfect first episode to uh, kick off the new In Search Of. Host Zachary Quinto sets out to discover whether aliens exist and what evidence we have to prove it. And it's fu- kind of funny because at every turn, uh, uh, there's... Um, I'm trying to explain exactly. I'll just uh, continue on the description. He meets with several who say they have encountered extraterrestrial life, a man who's been abducted by aliens several times since childhood, a man who claims to have extracted an alien implant, and a woman who shows Zachary what it feels like to be abducted into a spacecraft, which is cool because he starts out in a floating in a body of water, and he's he's attached to these, like, um, this harness, and he gets raised up into the sky in this room, and there's a light. He he gets raised toward a light, and he said it. It totally feels like you are floating, or you're being, um, you're b- being brought up like through some kind of uh, tractor beam. It's really, mm. really that part of this episode I thought was the best part because I've seen all this other stuff before, because <laughs> there's been a billion. Alien-related shows since In Search Of was on the air back in the 70s and 80s. So they're basically just retreading the same themes just through different people and and different uh, stories. But the other cool thing about this episode, he also meets with uh, the world's leading scientist at SETI in Greenbanks, West Virginia. He gets to go up on top of this big radio telescope. It's, It's way, way, way up in the air. Um, and then they utilize it. They uh, they search for the sky. They they search a, a section of the sky, and they get the results back at the end. And nothing out of the ordinary was picked up, which was unfortunate. And it seems like every single 
aspect of this episode d- didn't prove that aliens existed. <laughs> like uh, the guy that said he'd been abducted several times, got put under hypnosis. Not him. No, he went through a uh, lie detector test, and the results were he's lying. And then, and then the guy with the implant had it tested, and the test came back negative that it was just a normal piece of metal. So it, it all these things kind of disproved that there is aliens, at least in these cases. But uh, Zachary Quinto left it on a positive note that we these aren't definitive. Um, this isn't definitive proof that aliens don't exist. And there could be real proof out there. So I highly recommend In Search Of. Next week, They're going the, on the second episode, that is, they're going to be discussing uh, superhuman stuff. So it's, it's kind of neat that because um, he, he actually kind of explains at the very beginning of the show that he's played characters with uh, involving this kind of stuff in the past, like, you know, um, Spock's an alien. And then he played um, kind of a superhero type guy on Heroes, right? He had. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Although he was a villain. <clears throat> he was a villain. But he had superpowers. Uh, so next, uh, this uh, episode two of the first season is going to be talking about possible superpowers, real superpowers in people. Uh, so there you go. I'm going to give it uh, five out of five. So nice. Both our picks scored high this week. Please subscribe to this Galactic Network podcast by going to GNCast.com slash subscribe. Or search iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere podcasts are offered. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Alien Invasion Podcast, a production of the Galactic Network. If you'd like to read more about the stories that we covered in on this episode, click the links in the show notes, like I just said. Uh, we'd like to thank Monkey Warhol for providing our intro music, a song called Alien Syndrome. You can find out about it and other music that Monkey does at monkeywarhol.bandcamp.com. Also, thanks to Retward von Dürrenberg, a composer from Germany, for our closing song, which is titled Be Water. Learn more about him and his music at thecaravel.net. That's T-H-E-C-A-R-A-V-E-L.net. And finally, thanks to Ben Olson. Thanks, Ben. And uh, he is the guy that recorded the disclaimer audio at the very start of this episode. You can find out more about what he does at benolson.com. Thanks for joining us this time around. On our next episode, we'll review the 1985 movie Life Force, starring Patrick Stewart. This is uh, Brad's suggestion. So uh, you can blame Brad. If you want to um, play along with us, watch Life Force for this next episode, and then you can uh, review it with us. It's Patrick Stewart with hair. It's weird. <laughs> so looking forward to that. Okay. Uh, final thoughts before we go, Brad. What do you got? Nothing? Anything? Something? Uh uh, I'm seeing a lot of people uh, upset that Brie Larson isn't smiling enough in in the oh, trailer. Shut up! I know that's that's what I said. The internet's I... just a bunch of misogynistic bastards. That's all it is. <laughs> that's uh, basically what I said, but not quite as elegantly. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening and watching this time around. We'll talk to you next time. 
Okay, bye. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. <laughs>